that is the gospel according to Mark, starting with uh, chapter 11, starting with verse 8. When you got it, if you would not mind, please standing. Starting with verse 8, the word of God reads as follows. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead, uh, uh, and, uh, those who went ahead of those followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple where he had looked around at everything as it was already late. And he went out to Bethany with the twelve. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. So he was entering into Jerusalem, and people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and uh, people were worshiping and crying and extremely happy, and they laid branch of, of, of palm leaves down on the ground to uh, signify the coming king, and he came on a donkey, and he rode this donkey into the city of Jerusalem and the people thought we have been saved the Messiah has come and uh, it was a happy time and people were celebrating Judas yes 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 they were celebrating Judas Maccabeus Judas Maccabeus had a uh, saved the Hebrew people about a hundred years before Jesus Christ. Yeah. And when he came in, they laid the branch palms down and put the coats out in front of them and yelled Hosanna because they thought that was the Messiah. Judas Maccabeus is what you would call a messianic claimant. And I had a little trouble with that phrase at first because uh, I had heard things about this before but every time I heard it, it was some sort of disguise or someone was being accused of devil worshiping. And uh, they would say, oh, no, they're trying to teach that Jesus is not unique or Jesus is not this. And so I kind of struggled with that, just watching that. But, yes, there was somebody that came around 160 to 167 B.C. who people thought was the Messiah. He was a military general that had managed to free the Hebrew people from the tyranny of the Roman oppressors for a whole week. A whole week. They had say because people were looking for this militaristic savior. So all these people had come before Jesus. They had fought the Sadducees as uh, there were different branches of uh, Judaism during that time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the SNAs, 
And the Sadducees were known for temple worship. And not only were they known for temple worship, they felt like we need to fight these Romans to get them up out of here. And so people were subscribed to that. They were looking for a militaristic savior to come in and free them from the oppression. But they got it wrong. And uh, I title my sermons uh, often... I'm not really big on titles, but I do title them. And the title of the sermon is this time they got it right. They had all these different saviors beforehand. It's, it were literally hundreds of Messianic claimants. And uh, the term itself it actually means someone who's claiming the throne. And so it wasn't necessarily bad that a Judas Maccabeus or a um, Simon of Perea or an Anthrogenist people who came before thought they were saving the people because they thought that's what the scripture said they thought that if they beat up the Romans and got out of slavery that they would be okay but there was no saving for your soul Judas Maccabeus even got to the temple and removed all the pagan statues out of it for people who they felt had defiled the house of God by putting their pagan statues in it to worship good dude but he got it wrong and, and I wouldn't even say just him because he wasn't laying palm branches out for himself that's what people were looking for in the time and I've been really thinking about that lately because of uh, struggles with failure or, or the perceived struggle with failure you know we have a, a mindset sometimes and uh, society sort of perpetuates this mindset that you're supposed to go through life going from victory to victory and everything you try you're supposed to be great at it and then you just go on to riches and glory and fame or whatever it is you want to do but it's not really like that I mean you know yes you can win a reality TV show and have a record contract or you know be in a movie or be some sort of other superstar that you can turn into it and uh, but that's not necessarily the truth it's not always like that for every person that may have won that reality TV show or that uh, singing contest or something there are other people who uh, worked really hard to get that um, I'm reminded of a, an example. Uh, there's a TV show out. I don't really watch it, but I've uh, seen some commercials about it and stuff called Mad Men. And when Mad Men was coming back out, one of the actors, uh, they asked him what he felt about Kim Kardashian, and he basically said, I wouldn't have used the terminology myself, but he said it was a train wreck because Kim Kardashian was famous because her father was famous and she moved that into TV shows and a clothing line and a lot of other things and people literally follow her around with a camera but she didn't necessarily work for it and you have someone on the cast of Mad Men who went out and studied theater spent time working with the craft and learning the ropes and practicing and going from 
you know, high school, college, high school and college plays to maybe community theater and working as hard as they possibly can. And then finally somebody saw them and gave them an opportunity to put them in a movie. And they learned the craft of acting and they are respecting the hard work that came to it. And someone else is getting followed around and his show is being watched by Mad Men would be watched by 2 million people and Keeping Up With The Kardashians is being watched by 36 million. We have to, and, I, and I'm not necessarily angry at a Kardashian for that. I just, I recognize and respect more the process of working hard. You know, they say that before you can be good at anything or be a perceived expert in the field, you need to have almost 10,000 hours practicing it. 10,000 hours if you want to be a good musician or a good preacher or a good attorney or a good actor or actresses or a good anything. They say normally it takes about 10,000 hours to practice. And so you go through 10,000 hours of practicing something, you might lose every now and then. And you got to be okay with that. You might lose financially. You might lose emotionally. You might lose some friends. Might lose some family. But going from the journey to journey to glory to glory to faith to faith is a process. I uh, had a bit of a struggle before, with that as well uh, coming into the Methodist uh, denomination learning different terms. Uh, we have uh, four different stages of grace. Prevenient grace. Uh, before you were in the new womb, I knew you. That's the covering beforehand. And the justifying grace, that's the moment you confessed Christ and became right. I was cool with that. I had a little problem processing the sanctifying grace because every time I heard sanctified, it was I'm sanctified and Holy Ghost filled. And most of the people that said that often thought they were better than everybody else. And so I, I had a problem with the, uh, the, um, the usage of the word but as I've learned and in, in, in growing in the denomination it's not I'm sanctified I'm better than you sanctifying grace is a continual process it's not like instant oatmeal where you just pour some water on it heat it up and you have something delicious to eat no it's a it's a process and so I don't fault anyone for thinking that the Savior had come when he hadn't come yet. We have to be okay with making some of those mistakes. Uh, Romans 8.28 says that, you know, that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So that means you're going to take some good and some good and mix it together. You're going to take some bad and some good. You're going to take some bad and some bad and some good and some good. But when you mix it up, it all works together for the good and I noticed today as I was preparing for this message I, there's a word that said is good that all things work together for me not to me so when you are going through those struggles it's for you it's not to you that one little word makes a whole lot of difference have to go through a process uh, we're all familiar with Thomas Edison Thomas Edison 
is uh, his his advances in science are why we have lights in the building and all the, all these different inventions. And they said that he had over one thousand ninety three patents for his uh, that were registered to his name. But what do we know him for? One or two good things. And they say he had over ten thousand failed inventions. Ten thousand. Now, what if he had stopped at 9,999? What would we be doing in the building right now? Open the windows. We can't use stained glass. No, but he kept pushing. And sometimes we have to be able to support people like that even when they do fall because it's not just a, a process. That it, it is a process. It's not just an instant type thing where you want to do something and now I'm going to be good at it, but I'm not going to put in any work. We have to take the time to practice and keep going to get it right. Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player that ever lived. Hands down, I'm not taking any out of That's it. I got the microphone. Kobe's number two. But Michael Jordan was cut his freshman year, tried out for the basketball team and got cut. What if he'd have decided not to keep playing basketball after he got cut his freshman year? I'm not any good. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, try something else. I don't think baseball would have worked too well for him. Um, but he got cut, but he went and worked harder and went and put more time for his 10,000 hours. And then we have six championship rings and all pro and multiple all-star appearances. And the list goes on and on about the greatest basketball player of all time. But, and, and, and then there's another sermon in there. Sometimes we talk about forgiveness. Some part that actually bothered me about Michael Jordan is when you got inducted into the Hall of Fame, you know, you can bring somebody with you. And he chose to bring the guy that made the basketball team the freshman year without him. I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, we need to exercise some forgiveness. But uh, you put in the work in something, you drive forward. But we all want to see success as something that happens instantly. And it's not always instant. We had to have failed messiahs so that we would fully understand when the real messiah came. The true savior. That's why they shouted Hosanna, which literally breaks down into save, pray. Comes off of a Hebrew word, Hoshana, with a S-H, which is save now. So they were saying, save us now. Save us, I pray. Please save us. That's what they were looking for, and Jesus was the right one to do it as it comes in the gospel according to Mark. And I'm a little partial to Mark in terms of gospels uh, because it's the oldest of uh, chronologically of the gospels written. Uh, it was written about, about 50 A.D. or C.E., depending on what kind of word that you want to use, but 
Mark had a lot of good things in it when you delve into it. Mark is very short and sweet and to the point. I like that. Some would argue that I could be too direct sometimes, but I feel like you should say what needs to be said and not kind of dance around it. And so I, I identify with Mark. But I identify with Mark even more as I was going in my studies to learn that he was the oldest and that Matthew and Luke actually borrowed from him in order to write their stories 20 to 30 years later each. They borrowed from him in another source which they haven't been able to locate called Q. But uh, they say Mark plus Q equals Matthew and Luke. But when I delve into it, the words that were used, even though it was short and sweet and to the point, the words break out. Save now, save I pray. In order to get it right, we're definitely going to have to pray. Definitely going to have to pray. Our ministries cannot delve without it. And so they were saying, blessed who comes in the name of the Lord. And so we've got to have a prayer life in order to try to get this thing right. Amen. And one thing I've, another thing I've noticed about it is uh, when they were going, he says uh, to go into the village ahead of you immediately. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back immediately. That requires some faith. You need to pray and you definitely need some faith because that cult in our times is literally like asking somebody, just going up to a dealership, picking up a brand new car. It says it was unwritten. Cult had never been written. I want this brand new car. You're going to give it to me because the Lord needs it and he'll give it back to you. That requires a whole lot of faith. I'm not one to go to CarMax or Chevy dealership or whatever and say, yo, just, just give me the car. And I'm not saying that anyone should, but we do need that kind of faith. We need that kind of faith to expect a healing, or a financial breakthrough or our health or restoring a relationship with our family. We have to have that same kind of faith to go boldly and say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs me to be healthy. The Lord needs me to do something. And I'll give it back. Do we have that kind of faith? And they're willing to sacrifice as well. Back in those times, coats were not cheap at all. They were not, even in, it, it could almost sometimes take almost a, 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 a large percentage of your annual salary back in those days to have a cold because you were supposed to have it and keep it for a very long time for the harsh winters and the, the harsh elements during that time in that region of area and you're going to lay it on the ground and let a donkey walk over it? Anybody ever seen a donkey walk around? They don't too much care about their functions. When it's time to go, it goes. And they're stepping on it. Now, I'm not saying we need to lay down our coats and walk and let people walk over that, but I would ask, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to further your relationship with Jesus? They had no problem laying the coats down because they were laying it down for the king. 
And this time it was right. They were laying it down for the right king, the right Messiah, the right one that was coming to save them. And they didn't matter. I'm going to give this up so that I can sacrifice for my king. Time, energy. What, 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 what are we willing to sacrifice in order to further the kingdom of God? So, we had our faith. We had the prayer life. And we have to be willing to sacrifice why? Because Jesus sacrificed all for us. And something else I finally noticed as well, and it is that he said when he came, he entered into the temple, and then he left. Now I've heard some people preach that he left because there wasn't no good people in the church. I don't really subscribe to that theory. That's just me talking I am firm I am a firm believer that you cannot be a Christian without community. Yes, Jesus went to church, as was his custom, as it says in the gospels, but he also did his work outside of the church. Wasn't trapped in a building waiting on people to come to him and hear the message from the Lord. So if we're gonna do this, we have to be out spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ we have to get involved in the community we have to get involved in the people that we meet whether it be at work whether it be at school whether it be anywhere even though I am a pastor and I'm in the pulpit you all will preach more sermons than I ever will and most of the time you won't use words there's someone that uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he's quoted for that. He's saying, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. People will, people will come up to you and inquire about you, how you feel about certain things, and that may be an opportunity to share. Some people may just ask, hey, how come you don't get so mad all the time? Or what's that you're listening to? Or what's that on your shirt? Or what's, what book is that sitting on your desk? <clears throat> Not in the trunk or on the back window seal getting faded. But he went to the temple and he left, and that's what we have to do. We have to spread the word of Jesus Christ that he said in our Apostles' Creed, you know, he's born of a virgin, crucified, died, and is buried and rose on the third day. Because he did that, we need to go out and be his representatives, representatives of the king in his kingdom so that those might also be saved. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open.